my name is Michael Bozzi. Welcome to Marketing Without the Marketing, my podcast where I try to teach you soft touch marketing techniques, you know, week after week, publish an episode every Monday or almost every Monday. And if you're a small business owner, solo entrepreneur or creative person like a, a, an author, a musician or visual artist, this podcast is for you. Uh, want to teach you what I know so that you can succeed in marketing and do it in a way that's that feels good to your business and is more effective. Um, I just think that when small businesses succeed, that life is better for all of us. I really believe that, and so I want to help you. Today's episode is about thinking about marketing in an experimental fashion. I'm doing this series about, which is called the new marketing in sales, which are sort of these counterintuitive things that I've learned, not just from my mentors, but from making tons of mistakes and uh, things that maybe are, I don't know, go against the conventional wisdom around marketing. Uh, This is what uh, the fourth episode in this series. And then it's the, I don't know, ninth or 10th of this broader series that's meant to be about 16 episodes um, which is all the things that, uh, that I've learned about running my own business, uh, that I've learned from content strategy, just have learned from these soft touch techniques. So, um, if you've been following along, you understand what I'm talking about. If not, let me leave some links in the show notes for you so that, uh, that you can catch up if you like, but let's talk about this sort of experimental mindset. Uh, one of my absolute favorite quotes about marketing is if you're not measuring, you're not marketing. And I believe that's attributed to Dan Taylor of The Next Web uh, in this uh, post that he wrote a few years ago called A Case for Analytics. Left a link for you so that you can easily find that. And, you know, the thing about this quote, to me, it serves as a great reminder to constantly be holding yourself accountable, not just doing what feels good in the sort of, you know, intuition way or in this sort of soft touch way. We're not going to leave it just to emotion. We want to find out what's actually working with actual data. And of course, look, as a writer myself, as a creative myself, I don't want to take intuition and creativity out of the process. If you're a regular listener, you know that I love that about what I do, right? It's that the content marketing, content strategy, it's a mix of, of sort of art and science, creativity and data, uh, right brain and left brain. You really do need to be a good writer, a good communicator, but you also need to understand how to measure the effect. We do this for one reason and one reason only, to get better and better at it so that we can optimize, right? There has to be a business outcome here. And if we don't do this, what happens? We get in a rut. We stop making progress. We actually start to sacrifice the ability to serve our customers in the best way possible. We actually owe it to them to get better. And it's not just about getting better at running your business and making more money, though that's nice too. But it's really about getting better and better at serving your customers. You do that first, you do it well, and of course the money and success will follow. All right, so let's look at what we need to do in order to think of marketing this way. First thing that we want to do, number one, is to adopt an experimental mindset. You are now a scientist. You're in your lab 
and you're conducting an experiment. It's sort of a, a longitudinal study of your customers and prospective customers. So what do you do? You start with a hypothesis, like any scientist would, and then you start testing it. So you introduce a stimulus in a controlled fashion. You observe the response, record the results, just like any scientist would. And based on what you learn, you start to make adjustments and iterate. Now, with every stimulus, you try to isolate one variable if you can. And that's what I mean when I say a, a controlled fashion. And maybe it's a simple factor like timing, right? So, uh, for example, suppose you send your email campaign every week on Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Let's say you run that for six to eight weeks and then you switch to Monday at noon rather than 11. Did you observe a shift? Did you get more people opening the message? Did you get more people clicking the links? If that's yes, then great. Noon it is now, right? You've learned something and you've, you've upped by a percentage point or whatever it is. You've gotten a little bit better at it. That's great. Now move on to the next variable. That's awesome, right? To learn something, apply it. Now that's a part of your business, move on to the next one. Or if if it didn't work, you'd try another variable, right? Maybe it's not actually the time of day, but the day itself. So maybe it's not Mondays, maybe it's Tuesdays. So try Tuesdays. And you want to apply this to everything you do, right? When you publish blog posts, uh, when you run your tweets, uh, the timing on your email automation sequences for your customer onboarding, test everything. And then once you've adjusted your mindset, you know, get your strategy in order, right? Once you're thinking in this way, everything's got to be wrapped around a strategy, right? And, and my advice always to my clients, and I try to check myself on this too, is to think in blocks if you can, right? In other words, it doesn't have to be this long-term five-year plan. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous for any of us who are, are small business owners. You can't, you really can't plan for five years out. And think about... Think about instead, what, what do you want to know this quarter? Remember, you're coming at this with a hypothesis. You don't have the answers. You have sort of an educated guess. So what's holding you back? What do you think it is? And this hypothesis is really important because it gives you a starting point to start measuring. And there are a lot of different factors at play and a lot of different things that you can measure. So you really do need to be clear on what your strategy is so that you can actually set the appropriate metrics. And then you'll be able to measure the right contributing factors, right? So no uh, vanity metrics, as Eric Reese says in The Lean Startup. If you don't know that concept, I would strongly urge you to read that. That's For any small business owner, uh, the Lean Startup is just a great way to think about how to produce things and how to get better at that and how to understand your customer before they're your customer. It's a quick read, some really, really seminal concepts. Uh, I left a link in the show notes for you just because I really, everyone should read that. I, I find myself going back to that over and over again. But he talks about this concept called vanity metrics, where you're kind of looking at the wrong things and measuring the wrong things, and it, it makes you feel good. You might see your follower count go up, but does that really matter? Does that really contribute to your business? Uh, it does in a small way, but is it the right thing to measure? I mean, you want to look at things that actually move the needle on your goal. So you got to know your goals. You got to know 
what it is that you're trying to achieve, and then the strategies built around that. And this is a really important point to underscore because a lot of prospective clients come to me thinking that they want to do content marketing or they want to do social media marketing. But to me, both of those things are completely worthless if they don't have a strategy behind them. And truly, if you're going to start doing content marketing just by you know, starting to publish blog posts on whatever you want to write about, or you're going to start doing social media by just pumping stuff out on, on a Facebook page, that's going to get you nowhere. you got to have a strategy. And a strategy involves not just a plan, but a rubric for how's that plan going to change? How's that gonna, how are we going to respond in what's a very dynamic, fast-changing environment, both in platform and in the audience too? All right, so once you've got that in place, you got to start measuring. So what do I mean by measuring, right? There are a lot of factors to measure. So let's just, let's look at a few just as an example, right? So for instance, a website, Google Analytics is the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, because it's a powerful tool. It's free. It gives you a lot to see about how users interact with your site. So you want to look at site entries, you know, what page do people tend to enter on? Is that tied to a campaign? How long do they stay on that page? Where do they go next? Do they you know, leave right away or do they stick around for a while on your site? Do they bounce to another page? And importantly too, what page do they leave from? Where do they say, all right, I got what I needed and I'm gone. Now for your blog, you know, Google Analytics or, you know, or there's some other basic tools right on your WordPress dashboard also. Um, like for instance, the Jetpack will give you some very simple high-level stats. Great. You're kind of looking for the same thing, right? Uh, And especially with a blog where your intent is to get people to know you a little bit more and to get them to, you know, to read the post so that you can make your case or try to teach them something or whatever. Page time, the time that's spent on that page, is it's really critical, right? Because you can assume that if they stayed on that page for longer, they read more. And that might tell you that it's good content. Now, there are other factors too. Don't ever take this as absolute, but there are little indicators that can help with that. Now, with social, you know, uh, for instance, Facebook pages have analytics right there on your dashboard. If you got a business account, they'll let you see a little bit more. And if you include Instagram, connect the two, um, you'll be able to see your analytics there. Or with Twitter, they have analytics uh, built into the platform, um, which are very, very helpful. And you can actually download uh, this data, which I do every quarter just to see where I'm, uh, uh, where I'm doing well, where I'm not, whatever. Pinterest is the same. Uh, YouTube has this as well. Very, very good on, on, uh, on metrics. Uh, LinkedIn does too, though they kind of suck at it. Uh, I've not found it to be that useful, even though LinkedIn is, is a pretty useful platform for me. Or uh, Medium. Medium is another one. They have uh, pretty good analytics on who's reading your post and all that. And you know what? Honestly, almost all of the social platforms have some basic metrics that'll help you do some measurement. But really, the important thing is, what are you looking for? First of all, there's impressions, uh, really, which in effect is how many people saw your post or your video, whatever it was. Um, Interactions is sort of the next level, a like or a share or a comment. Uh, To me, the highest level is a share, right? Because someone was willing to associate themselves with your work. To me, that's the highest measure of success, right? It was good enough to share. That must mean it's really valuable, Um, 
And comments are great too. Don't get me wrong, right? You, you spurred an interaction. That's awesome. But of course, not all comments are going to be welcome, right? There are trolls everywhere. And, and, you know, look, I've, I've been lucky about this, uh, that I haven't attracted the attention of a lot of uh, trolls. But here's how I think I've avoided that. I, I mean, generally, I try to put out stuff that's very positive, hopefully inspirational, hopefully gets people thinking differently, whatever. And look, people might disagree with what I have to say, or hey, I had a different experience with this, or hey, I tried the thing that you did and didn't work for me, but I'm trying this other thing, and whatever. Um, but I find if you're putting positive stuff out there, it's really hard to attack your intent, right? If you do that, I think you'll be okay. All right. And speaking of being wrong, uh, the next thing that you got to do uh, in this here is to is, is just to keep an open mind in this. Look, one of the hardest things to accept about your assumptions is that you may be wrong, right? You as an expert in your particular sector, you know your customers really, really well. This is hard to swallow sometimes, right? Because um, you think you know this and then something proves you wrong. You got to be okay with that. Um, the way I look at it is being wrong is a gift. It allows you to make a shift, right? And that's going to be good for your business. Suppose, for instance, that you're seeing a new trend, right? So it's not, oh, hey, you're wrong. It's that you're actually detecting something new. And, oh, guess what? You've got the data to back that up because you're thinking about this in an experimental way. Now you actually have a competitive advantage, and especially if you're the first one to sort of discover or detect this shift. I mean, that's amazing, and you can only do this if you're measuring. There's no harm in being wrong if it leads you to improve. I mean, I love being wrong. That sounds silly, right? But my students in the classroom... They hold me to account. Sometimes I'll test out a new idea with them. Sometimes they'll disagree, and it's shifted my thinking. Same thing for you, my listeners. You've done the same thing for me, too. You've disagreed with me. It's helped me get better. To me, I, look, I, I, I'm a practitioner. I don't care about being right. I want to know what works. If that comes from you with a strategy or something that you've done that's worked, you got a story to share from, from the field that came from direct experience that worked. Awesome. I want to know that. Thank you for that. Because now, guess what? I'm better at what I do because of you. All I can say is thank you. And of course, lastly, you want to optimize, right? You want to get really efficient. Uh, an important outcome here is that in this experimental mindset, you're going to find things that aren't working too. And again, this is a gift, to those things that you're doing, great. You know what? Stop doing them now, right? This is great to know. If a Facebook page is not a good strategy for you, like, like it is with my business, meaning it's not a good strategy for me, it doesn't do anything for me, well, then guess what? Stop putting effort into it. Or do what I do with the Facebook page. I feel like you got to be there anyway, right? Put the bare minimum of effort in, Right? Understand that it's not going to be that important to you. And, and you got some data to back up that assertion. It's not just a guess or a feeling. Then go and spend that effort elsewhere or put that effort into your next experiment. Facebook's a great example because there's a lot of people that assume that because everyone's on Facebook, your business has to be there too. That's insane. This strategy is not one size fits all. You and your audience 
And that relationship between the two of you is completely unique to you and your audience. So don't let yourself be guided by conventional wisdom or what you're supposed to do. And that's what this whole series is about, right? The rules are so different now that conventional wisdom doesn't serve us anymore. Oh, that's the way the world works is a sorry excuse in today's world. We get to remake it. That's how the world works. I love that about today's world. And to me, I got no time for those who seek to just defend the status quo. To me, I'm always suspicious of that. And I did a whole episode on the considerations for Facebook in particular. I left a link in the show notes for you. Um, Look, I've got some clients who rock it on Facebook and others for whom it's a complete wasteland. So, So in a quick episode, let me help you determine what's right for you. All right, so imagine that uh, you find out through experimentation that Twitter and LinkedIn are your best channels like they are for me, right? Great, get rid of everything else. Or maybe it's Instagram and Pinterest because your brand is visually inclined, or maybe it's Facebook video or YouTube because you're good at video or whatever. You get the idea though, focus. And if you run your experiments and determine that your audience is not responsive on whatever that social channel is. Again, that's great news. You have one less thing to do, so shut it down and move on. All right, speaking of shutting it down, let's stop there. Because next week, I really do want to do a deeper dive into your social strategy. My working title for next week's episode that I'm writing now is, um, it's called Social Media Can't Exist in a Vacuum. And the sentiment is that social media really isn't worth anything if it's not part of a complete content strategy. I really strongly believe this, and let me hit you up with that concept next week. Subscribe if you want me to remind you, and until then, get your lab coat on, clean those beakers, fire up your Bunsen burners, and start experimenting. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you as always.